five metres back. Bernard Foley's got the lead. It's got the legs, the distance. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby, where the people's podcast providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. I'm your host, Ando, and with me are Mitch and Lockie. Mitch, are you ready to talk up the Rebels, mate? Yep, very excited. Another week, another super rugby side to preview, so looking forward to getting into it. Lockie. Yeah, we're keen as keen to give the Rebels a bit of love this week. God knows they need it. We're going to get around them, pump up their tyres. Let's get into it. Excellent. Well, as a quick reminder, we already have an episode available for you this week. That is the interview with GM General Manager of Rugby, Nick Styles, which was up on Monday. We also covered the amazing Rugby Sevens competition over the weekend over in Perth, whilst also speaking to some of the challenges of the uh, voluntary administration that the Rebels have recently announced. Please note that was after the interview with Nick Styles, so just be aware of that timing. Now, this episode, we are going to be previewing the 2024 season for the Melbourne Rebels. Rebels. Before that, though, we are going to be running a trivia game based on the Rebels. One of our fans, Ezekiel Humperdink from Discord, actually suggested it. <laughs> now, Mitch wanted to call it Humperdink's Have a Think. Lockie, what are your thoughts on that name? Oh, uh, have a think about it. Oh, well, very well played. Very we need, to, well we played. need to send it to the fans then to come up with a good name for this segment, though, because we haven't got one. We, we don't have one. Basically, we're going to be starting a trivia competition that runs across the season. But the good thing is there are two ways in which you can be getting involved. The first part is if you're just listening to us on a podcast, regular audio uh, platform, then feel free to just play as you go. But we'll also have visuals alongside this and you can get it on our YouTube uploads as well. So just search for Pick and Drive Rugby on YouTube and it will come up there. Now, what that is, is also an excellent segue. So Ezekiel is on our Discord and was able to suggest it directly there. So we would like to invite you to be a part of the best Australian rugby community going around. The link for Discord is on any of our social media profiles. And then one last thing, if you like what we do, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really, really helps us get more traction, so we'd very much appreciate that. So without any more ado, let's jump on into the Melbourne Rebels trivia. All right, now I'm going to be running this section. So why don't we come on in? I am the quiz master for today. It is going to be between Mitch and Lockie. Mitch, Lockie, there will be a gentleman's agreement that you are not allowed to look anything up. The first question, in what year did the Melbourne Rebels first play Super Rugby? A, B, or C? Mitch, what is your answer? So for those following on the podcast, we should oh, run through sorry, what they are. I didn't A is 2010, years. B is 2011, <laughs> and C is 2012. I'm going to go with B, 2011. What are your thoughts, Lucky? I think B is correct too. Let's lock in 2011. All right, next slide, please. Let's see if you are correct. Yes, you are. B, 2011, boom, boom, boom. one point each. Congratulations, We're fellas. On. Now, the next slide indeed has a picture of that 2011 team featuring absolute legends of the game, such as Sterling Mortlock and Danny Cipriani, if you remember, was the massive import from English rugby to help kind of be the star of the team. Now, moving into question number two. And look at that stadium. Just look at that stadium before we move off. It's full. There's no seating room left, standing room only. How good would it be to be back 
into that. Question number two. Who was the first head coach of the Melbourne Rebels? Was it A, Rod McQueen, B, Damian Hill, C, Tony McGahn? Uh, Lockie, you're up. Well, I think it's the man, the myth, the legend, Rod McQueen. Number, uh, letter A, sorry. Okay, so A, Rod McQueen, I Mitch. Think, I think it's Rod McQueen too, but I'm going to hedge my bets and say Tony McGann because I know he's coached him at some point. Um, but I do think it. I think it's A too, but let's go with C. Okay, now come on, which one? For the sake of it. Yeah, C, okay, Tony. Okay, so you're going to go C? All right, it B. is Rod McQueen. And there's a picture of the legend. Speed dealers on Rod. Yep, speed dealers on. He's looking great. So that puts Lockie on two, Mitch on one. <laughs> Question three. <laughs> Which current ACT Brumbies player was the Rebels 2012 Rookie of the Year? Current ACT Brumbies player, Rebels 2012 Rookie of the Year. Was it A, James Slipper, B, Jack Debrasini, C, Caden Neville? And let's go to Mitch for your pick. I'm going to lock in B, Jack Debrasini. All right, B, Jack Debrasini mm. is locked in. And I, Lockie, I think he's right on the money. Okay, I Jack Debrasini the again. I think the mighty, mighty pairing with Nick Sturzacker and all the Zeds in the names. Well, let's see if you're right. No, no. we got a picture there of babyface Caden being uh, lifted up in the line out. And gosh, he looks like he's got a full head of hair and not some of the battle scars that he currently has across his body. Far out. So that's putting still the scores remain 2-1 to Lockie's favour. Question number four. Which player has the most caps for the Melbourne Rebels? A, James O'Connor. B, Laurie Weeks. C, Reese Hodge. Let's go Lockie picking first. Gut feel is Reese Hodge, but I reckon Laurie Weeks has got a fair few as well. I'm going to go Reese. Lock in C for me. C for Reese. And then Mitch? I think it's, yeah, I th- I'm thinking Laurie Weeks as well. I think Reese Hodge, from memory, cracked like the all time point scorer for the Rebels. But did, I think yeah. Laurie Weeks might have more caps because of the amount of time that he played. So I'll block him B. Oh! And the answer is Reese Hodge. Now, bonus points. And you both are allowed a chance at this, even though, Mitch, you did not get that it was Reese Hodge. Um, how many caps? Can you both write down your number on a piece of paper or just... Uh, will we do a gentleman's agreement that you're not going to change it based upon what the other person says? Yeah, gentleman's agreement. Yeah, I don't have a piece gentleman's of paper. Gentleman's agreement. So, yeah. Okay, so how many caps? I'll get you to give me your answer in a moment. Three, two, one. Lockie, how many caps does Reese Hodge have? I reckon he's got 82. And Mitch? I'm thinking 75. You're both missing out on a bonus point. For those of you playing at home, if you had 100, you would be correct. He cracked the century right before he left to go to Bordeaux, I believe. Wow. Yep, crack the century. Of course he did. Come on, you're literally a rugby reporter, mate. Come on. Now, (laughs) question number five. Question number five. Here's a bit of a history one, which I actually thought was really fascinating when I was doing some reading up about the Rebels, okay? What is the name of Victoria's first ever wallaby? And hint, he was a hero of World War II, serving as a doctor to Australian soldiers after the fall of Singapore. It's a very, very well-known Australian name. So, Mitch, uh, start off with you, mate. The only 
The only person I can think of and name that comes to mind is Weary Dunlop, and that's purely because of the Waratahs and, and Rebels play for the Weary Dunlop shield. So I'll lock in Weary Dunlop. And Lockie? Oh, Mitch is right, but he gets the full point if he can get his first name as well. Mm, I thought that was his whole name. I don't even <laughs> no, know his first name. That's his nickname. I'll go, um, I'll go John. <laughs> Lockie? It's it's solid play. Um, the the man is Edward Weary Dunlop. And next slide, please. You'll see Sir Edmund Weary Dunlop. There is a picture of him on the left there, serving as an army surgeon at the Sandakan Prisoner of War camp. Um, and on the right there, he is in his Wallabies, well rugby kit. Um, and he was yeah played. He, he debuted against the All Blacks in 1932, playing at number eight. So there's a little bit wow. of history for you within your Rebels trivia. So I think, if I'm not correct, you both got that question correct. Um, Lockie, you were two points ahead overall, I believe, and I think it ended 4-2. So correct me if I'm wrong, sports fans playing at home, but 4-2 is the end of our trivia section for this week. So well done, everybody. Love your work. Great stuff. Thank you, Quizmaster. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll jump straight into the season preview. All right, let's get into our preview for the Melbourne Rebels in 2024. So to start our preview, we will start by looking at the 2023 season and running over uh, how they fared in that for Super Rugby Pacific. So uh, the Rebels in 2023 finished in 11th place. They had four wins and 10 losses. Now, our key games that we've highlighted for the Rebels last year was their round two loss to the Hurricanes. That went down 33-39. And for those playing along at home, you might have remembered that at halftime, it was a pretty uh, one-sided affair up at, uh, for the Hurricanes. Adi Savea did make that bit of a scuffle right on halftime and, and gave the throat slit gesture to, I think it might have even been uh, Ryan Lowrens at the time. And then that ended up just firing up Rebels and they came back really strongly in the second half. Not enough to actually get the win, but enough to put in a really solid performance and get quite close to the Hurricanes in that game. Uh, we've also got their round three win over the Waratahs. 34-27 there, uh, which is a bit of a takeaway, I guess, for the Rebels all up in 2023. Uh, and and our, and our first takeaway, I guess we can say, was they were competitive early in the season against most of the Aussie competition. So they went up against, the, well, they beat the Waratahs, they beat the Reds, they came close to the Brumbies and they smashed the force. Uh, I think from memory that was in Perth early in the season. And then when it got about halfway through the season and on, and they started to get some losses against the Kiwi sides, things started mm-hmm. to fall away. Lockie, we've highlighted a best performance for the Rebels in 2023. Do you want to talk us through a little bit of that one? Yeah, the Moana win was an interesting one because despite Moana's struggles, which were well documented last year, getting over to New Zealand and getting a win was a massive deal for the Rebels and they needed it at that point of their season as well. So they did have a bit of a late fade. The score flatters Moana a little bit. They managed to come back and it just took a late try I think it was uh, Lockie Anderson who scored late to seal that one for the Rebels. But along with Moana, I wanted to highlight uh, that uh, second last round against the Force where they managed to run in eight tries. I think we might have got scrambled and they lost to the Force away early. But when they came back home late in the piece, Mitch, they racked up 52 to 14 win. So clearly they can score. They're an effective team on the attack, but 
too often, and this would be one of the key takeaways, they couldn't close out those close games of five losses by 10 points or less last year. And that's the sign of a team that doesn't quite know how to win yet. Yeah, Ando, uh, one of the takeaways for the the uh, Melbourne Rebels in 2023 was the fact that when they came up against the Kiwi opposition, they just weren't able to stay in games for long periods of time. Well, what did you sort of put that down to? I think one of the challenges the Rebels have historically had is a large uh, turnover within their squad each season. And within most analysis and most talk of kind of the quality of teams, defensive integrity is a result of squad um, cohesion. And so when a team is racking up significant points being let in, you, you need to be questioning how much the players are trusting the others inside and outside of them, how much they're willing to be working hard for their team. And no one doubts that these players were trying in 2023, but had the Rebels have historically been quite poor in terms of how they finished within the season. They haven't ever made a full Super Rugby final series. And so they just don't have that experience to lean upon in those tough moments. And so when you add in that lack of experience and the pretty high squad turnover that they have, yeah, sure, they might be able to get up at the start of the season when things are exciting and energy levels are fresh and players don't have as many little niggles. But then as the season continues, they just really, really struggle to play to the quality and the top level of performance that we know that they are capable of. And so I think that'll be a big thing for this season to see whether or not, whether or not they can have more consistent, consistent, higher quality performances. And that's a great uh, lead into the Rebels squad for 2024. Now I'll run through the forwards and Lockie, I might give you the backs to run through and then we'll talk about some of their key signings and departures. So to run through their props, we've got Caboose Elof, Pone Falmasili, Matt Gibbon, Isaac Kalea, Sam Talakai and Taniela Tupo. In the hookers, we've got Ethan Dobbins, Alex Murphy, and Jordan Walesi. Locks, Josh Canham, Lucan Salakai Loto, Angelo Smith, Tuan Tai Tualima. Uh, and in their back row, Vailani Ekowasi, Zach Hugh, uh, that thing needs to go away, Jess, Josh Kemeny, Rob Leoda, Daniel Maver, and Brad Wilkin. So there's some big signings there for the Rebels in 2024. Taniel Tupo is a big one. You spoke about that, Ando, in your chat with uh, Styles earlier in the week. Uh, Lucan Salakaya Loto is another signing coming down to Melbourne to bolster the, the stocks there. Uh, if you had to pick out one player in particular, who do you think is going to be the most important forward for the Rebels in 2024? Look, the easy option is Taniela Tupo. I'd be saying Lucan Salakaya Loto just because of the significant turnover within the locking department that they've had. They've lost their two most experienced locks in Trevor Jose and Matty Phillip. And we will speak about Lucan a bit later, but he's my pick. And Lockie, there is a fair bit of depth there across this forward pack. Now, Lock still potentially looks a little bit light when you look at that Josh Canham and Lucan Salakailoto are probably the two that will start the season. And if one of those does pick up an injury, we've got two pretty inexperienced players there as backup. But when we look at the back row, there's quite a few good names there. Do you think that the back row stocks is what's going to be the point of difference for the Rebels in 2024? It's an interesting one with the Rebels back row because Brad Wilkins fairly well entrenched there now as a seven, as the starting seven. Obviously no uh, Dickie Hardwick this time around, which was an interesting thing to see. But it's a really big year, I feel, for Josh Kemeny, given that he made his breakout year. He earned himself a game against um, Argentina and then a trip to the World Cup. And we didn't see much of him. It feels to me like Josh Kennedy is a man with a lot to prove at Super Rugby level to try and crack back into that Wallaby squad. But so too is his club skipper, Rob Leota, 
they're often touted as that big physical six that we need. We still haven't seen him dominate in Super Rugby for extended periods of time. So I think that six jersey is massive, especially when you consider the versatility of Echo Alsi, who can play six and eight, and the rising players like Daniel Maiava and Zach Howe as well. Now, there is a little bit of an interesting thing, and you'll see that as we move on into the next slide. And it, it's almost something that the Rebels have borrowed from uh, Eddie Jones's tenure as Wallabies um, coach in that they've named utility players. So it's interesting just to note before we move across to that screen that Josh Kemeny is listed as a back row and not a utility player like <laughs> some of the other players in this Rebels lineup. Uh, Lucky, why don't you run us through the backs for the Rebels in 2024? For sure. So starting with the scrum halves, we've got Ryan Lowrens, Jack Maunder and James Tuttle. Fly halves, there's just the one name. That's Carter Gordon. Uh, centres, there's stacks. We've got David Falioa, LeBron Naya, David Palu, Matt Proctor, Lucas Ripley, and David Vaihu. Outside backs, some more recognised names in Lockie Anderson, Andrew Kellaway, Darby Lancaster, Joe Pincus, and Glenn Vaihu. And then in the utility role, we have Mason Gordon, Jake Strawn, and Filippo Dalgurno. But, Ando, you'd have to say that the utility role is probably limited to just the back line for those three. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I feel like at a pinch, uh, Dungunu could probably fill in at like open side, at least on a scrum when a forward is being carded or something like that. But outside of that, yeah, they're, they're going to be the utility players. Now, a really interesting player that has joined the Rebels this year is Jack Maunder. Now, if you're a follower of Northern Hemisphere Rugby, he's a pretty well-known name because he's been playing for Exeter now since 2016-17. And he's racked up well over 120 caps for them across basically the eight or so years that he's been playing at Exeter. So he's a highly experienced English player and he's going to be someone that brings um, just... Maybe an added level of, I don't want to say professionalism because I don't want to denigrate the current players that are there, but just that extra level of knowing what it is to compete in a top European competition, especially the Champions Cup too. So I think that is a really, really interesting addition as well as considering both Matt Proctor, who in my mind be sitting in at 13 basically immediately, and Darby Lancaster, who we've seen tear it up for the sevens this past weekend over in Perth. Yeah, it's a funny one. And I think, Mitch, a lot of people would forget that Jack Maunder is capped for England. He did win a cap way back in 2017 when Eddie Jones was coach. So you do have a test scrum half coming into the fold. But tell us a little bit about backups to Carter Gordon at fly half. Obviously, Mason Gordon, Jake Strawn have you know played there at age grade, Jake Strawn over at the force. But is there maybe a bit of a problem there with depth at 5 eight? There definitely is. I mean, it, putting uh, the squad together and preparing this slide with Carter Gordon being the only out-and-out fly half listed, you just think that with the season that he had under the un, with the Wallabies and under Eddie Jones in 2023, the amount of pressure he was put under, the amount of game time that he got, uh, we know he's a good player. He's got great potential and he has the potential to be the best fly half in Australia at the end of 2024 should he have a good season. But there's a lot of pressure on him considering he is the only fly half in the squad. Mason Gordon is a bit of a drop-off in experience and, and development uh, coming in if he was to get injured. Jake Strawn has played at fly half for the force, so he is a, an option that could slot in there. But when you don't have um, a player that you can name on the bench to give um, you know a little bit of reassurance to Carter Gordon that if he goes into a game and picks up a knock that he is able to come off injured should he need to, that's also a mental element to the game that you probably don't want to be putting into his 
preparation week in, week out. We've also seen, and Andrew Kellaway is another player that is integral to the performance of the Rebels in 2024. We've seen how his sort of development at in Melbourne or at the Rebels over the past few years has also been a bit disjointed, being thrown all over the place, playing wing, playing centre, playing fullback. Will we see him slot in at fly half should Carter Gordon get a long-term injury this year? Who knows? But uh, there, it is it is worrying that they have so little develop, developed players to slot in should um, Carter Gordon not be available. Well said, mate. So why don't we continue on and then cover Ooh, you, who's in muted. and out of the squad? Yeah, we'll keep going. Lucky you, you're on mute, so drop that off if you've got <laughs> anything else to say. So I'll run through the, the signings um, for the Rebels and then Ando, why don't you take us through the departures? Um, yep. So we've got Tadiela Tupo, Ethan Dobbins, Lucan Salakai Loto, uh, Vailani Ekuasi. Now I put a little asterisk there because technically he wasn't listed at the start of 2023 with the Rebels. He slotted in with them halfway through the season. So this is his full first squad inclusion. So that's why we've got him listed here. Uh, Jake Maunder, Matt Proctor, Darby Lancaster, and Filippo Dalgunu. Now I have also put another asterisk next to Darby Lancaster because we have seen his inclusion in the Aussie 7 squad this year, uh, sorry, this weekend uh, for the uh, Perth 7s. And with the performance he's put in, we don't know yet. Uh, he has been such an integral player for them this weekend, whether he will stick with the squad and, and then push for... Uh, selection in the Olympics later in the year, or if he will come back to the Rebels and get some time in Super Rugby. Still kind of yet to see how that pans out. Uh, and why don't you run us through the departures, and then we might just focus on a few key players there. Yep. So departures, Jaden Christian, Cameron Orr, which I'm devo about. He was one of my favourite Rebels players. Uh, Theo Furi, Anaru Rangi, Trevor Hosea, Matt Phillip, Dickie Hardwick or Richard Hardwick, Moses Sorovi, Nick Just. Stacey Ely, Ray Nuu, Reese Hodge, Monte Iwani, and Ilikina Vidogo. So there are some really big names there. Again, go back and listen to the interview I did with Stylesy, which was released on Monday on Nick Styles, And he speaks to a lot of the squad turnover being a somewhat natural progression in the year after a World Cup. But how many of them were long-term rebels that were taking an opportunity with this kind of time in a cycle to have a new opportunity? And he was speaking specifically to players like Matty Phillip and Richard Hardwick there. Um, so it's a bit sad. Dickie Hardwick had his best season ever in Super Rugby last year. He was awesome, wasn't he, Lockie? Oh, look, it's weird to say that someone as experienced as Hardwick had a breakout season again, but he seemed mm. to. He was such a terrific on-ball presence uh, defensively. He was their most physical um, tackler, I'd say, up there with Echo Alzi, who was another you know brilliant player for them to come in. And it's almost a like-for-like in the sense of having that big, bumbling, bundling number eight that can charge into contact. But, I mean, honestly, some of the outs in the Ford pack have bigger concerns for me than Dickie Hardwick. We talked about the depth in the back row, but it's that locking area and losing not just Matt Phillip to Yokohama, but also Trevor Hosea, who's a homegrown um, Aussie boy. I think he came up from Brisbane and then went down to the Rebels, but he's gone through the grades and he was a phenomenal athlete. Phenomenal athlete. He's over at Suntory Sun Goliath now and by all accounts is doing very well in Japan League One. So, it's a bit of a loss, I think, to see Hosea go. Obviously, great to have Salakai Loto back, but wow, wouldn't you love to have a couple more really experienced, big, tall timbers sticking around the Rebels? Yeah, yeah and, sort of, and that's the big question. Uh, with that, with that, um, that theme as well of having that sort of uh, next uh, the next line of player or, or backup player would be really good to see the Rebels be able to secure the likes of 
a Nick Juiced or a, a Ray Nuu, even a Stacey Ely. Like they didn't get a lot of game time for the Rebels, but they had that experience and that tenure with the squad that sh- should they need to be called upon when an injury comes up, they've got that experience. And that might be one of the things that they're still gelling and trying to get that cohesive element in 2024. Um, let's keep moving though, and we'll focus on the most valuable players. Now there's four that we've focused on here. Ando, why don't you run us through this one? Yep, Tony Tupo, Carter Gordon, Lucan Salakai Loto, and Andrew Kellaway. Now we've put those four players down. I'll quickly speak to Lucan again, and then I'll pass it on. I'll, I'll get someone else to jump in. But Lucan is a pretty easy pick because of the loss of Trevor Hosea and Matty Phillip. I mentioned it earlier, but you need experience and you need quality within your second row to compete at a high level, like the Rebels will obviously want to. And he is basically the perfect player to come back he will be playing as a lock he won't be kind of that hybrid they already have enough back rowers so he is clearly a locking option and with his experience now he is going to be a key figure for them now mitch you've already spoken to carter gordon's importance so why don't you talk to us instead about taniela tupo and why you placed him as one of the most valuable players that the rebels have signed for this year yeah we've just seen taniela tupo over the past few seasons um, in Super Rugby, particularly for the Reds, that when he uh, when he is on form and is playing at his best, he, he's unstoppable. He's a penalty magnet. He can turn a scrum. He can wheel a scrum. And he can be that element that either wins or loses a game for a team. He's been struggling with injuries over the past year or so, and he's not been at match fitness and had a lot of game time. So if the Rebels can get him on the field consistently, he's going to be that element that's going to be able to just chew up opposition scrums, whether they're Kiwi or Australian, and just continually get them points. And his partnership with Carter Gordon in that, if Carter Gordon can get the kicking duties and get that locked away and and sort of humming this season, there's no reason why Rebels can't be able to hang into games a lot further than they were able to in 2023. Very well said, mate. Now, we also have Andrew Kellaway on this list. Lockie, Andrew Kellaway, why is he one of the most valuable players for the Rebels backline particularly? It's a good question. I think it's because he's the most natural rugby player I would say in the Australian system at the moment, he's a very instinctive player who's sound defensively. He's got a good pair of hands. He doesn't do anything flashy. I think of him quite a lot, and it's not the same because I don't think he's at that level yet, but I see him as quite like a Ben Smith player from New Zealand who can slot across the field, who's very seamless and selfless in the way that he plays rugby. So I think he's the glue that binds that outside back together, whether he is uses a 13 across the wing. I'd say he's probably going to use as a fullback and that's going to be key to especially work in tandem with Carter Gordon at um, 10. Probably you'd have to say Lowrens or Maunder in the front runner for nine and forming that playmaking axis is going to be crucial. So Kellaway is a huge, huge MVP for me. Let's do our season predictions now for the Melbourne Rebels. So looking at the strengths of where we think they might go well in 2024. So we've got We've highlighted their quality signings in the offseason. L- securing the signings of Taniel Tupo and Luca and Salakai Loto brings in a fair bit of depth in their forward pack, which we think will be an element of success for them over 2023 and the previous few years um, for the way that they've just been able to put some some really strong signings and, and talent into that forward pack. Um, if we look at some of the weaknesses, and we kind of highlighted a little bit of this earlier, so the, the depth at fly half is is an area where if Carter Gordon does sustain an injury, think that the drop-off in talent to the next player coming in is going to potentially show some big signs, uh, big holes for them. And at lock, 
their first choice locks have a good have good talent, have good experience, but their backup locks just don't seem to have the same level of quality or caliber at the, as those first two locks. Uh, before we dive into where we think they'll they'll finish overall in the season, both lock in and if you've got anywhere anything to say, jump in here. But was there anything else that you're particularly looking forward to for the the Rebels in 2024? Lucky you go, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. To, oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm a bit of a lag there. I'm excited to see how the hooking stocks go. I've always been interested in Jordy Ulysses' development down in Melbourne. Uh, Alex Murphy uh, is obviously quite a good, um, strong super rugby hooker as well. But there's a lot of hype in Brisbane around Ethan Dobbins, who's moved down from the West's club uh, and is now there as a third string hooker. I think Theo Ferri ended up at the Tars. Um, so a bit of movement around the hooking stocks. But with Jordy Ulysses' injury history, I wouldn't be surprised if there's suddenly a bit of a shift in those hooking stocks. And then Ethan Dobbins hasn't played super rugby. So if the mm. frequently injured Jordi Alisi goes on trend and gets injured again, there's going to be a brand new person suiting up in super rugby for the Rebels. And that's pretty exciting to yep. say. So um, maybe they'll need to call it another hooker at some stage. Who knows? Now, we've in terms of final placings, we've said we think the Rebels will finish in the top six. I'm going to put it out there and think that, and say that I think the Rebels have the talent on paper to finish in the top six. Um, sorry, did I say six before? Or did I say eight? You said six. I did say six. I'm, I'm going <laughs> hard on sleeve. I'm saying Rebels finishing six. <laughs> Lockie and Ando aren't so optimistic about that. They think they'll finish in the top eight, which would be an improvement over the last two seasons for the Rebels if they can make uh, a, a full-time Super Rugby Pacific Finals series. Uh, if they were to be successful and get into the eight, Lockie, what do you think they need to do and how do you see them going about doing that? Stay injury-free. They've got a very strong 23 that I think they can put on the paddock. Uh, I'm worried about numbers 24 through 30 plus. That's what scares me about the Rebels. If there is a key injury um, in hooker, in fly half, even in fullback, given some of the options that are at 15 or lack thereof, I'd be really worried about how their season goes. So wrap up your tight heads, wrap up your playmakers and cotton wool them. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Rebel squad does gel in 2024. I think with the signings that they've got coming in, Taniel Tupo, Lucan, Salakai, Loto, um, they have on paper the squad, I think, to be the second Aussie side. I'm going to throw it out there and say that they can be better than the Waratahs, they can be better than the Reds, and can be better than the Force. Um, they'll probably push the Brumbies a fair way. It will, as Lockie said, take a, a full squad of, of not many injuries to be able to do that. But I think they've had... They were really exciting to watch last year. They quickly became my second team, and I really enjoyed watching the style of play that they, um, or the the way that they played the game of rugby. Just being able to finish off those games, I think they now have the talent in that roster to be able to do that. So I'm optimistically hoping that they'll be in the top six this year, which would be fantastic to see for the Rebels. Um, but if they even finish in the top eight, I think that's a great win for the club. Now let's finish things off, and that is by looking at the 2024 home and away jerseys for the Rebels. Now, Ando, you said before we started recording that you actually quite liked the home jersey, uh, sorry, the away jersey in particular. What is it about this Mate. jersey that really stands out to you? I love it. Um, I like a good pink jersey, um, genuinely. I think that there is just a lot of really nice design elements to it as well. The kind of highlighting that's happening on some of the um, some of the 
I don't know, line elements throughout it. Basically, it's hot pink with uh, the Rebels blue lightning bolt stripes kind of throughout, which are highlighted in a bit of white as well. I just think it's a really bright and good-looking kit. doesn't have a collar, unfortunately, and I think maybe a little bit more could have been done on the sleeves or the edges, the trim of the sleeves. But outside of that, I personally think it's a really, really nice away jersey, and um, it would be nice to get one on me. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch, but it looks like the design is actually reflecting the triangles on Amy Park, on the stadium itself. I mean, it could be. I haven't seen that officially announced. I do know that in 2023, they incorporated the kind of jaggedness of Federation Square into the jersey. And I thought at that time that that was really uh, a really unique way of incorporating like design elements of Melbourne into a kit and sort of showing what they represent. Uh, it could be. I haven't seen that specifically spoken about in this home and away jersey this year. For mine, it looks a little bit too uh, graphic design-ish. Like it doesn't look like anything in particular like than in a Canada? nice graphic. <laughs> yeah, like like Ando or I just sort of threw it to... No, I'm not going to say that the Rebels didn't do, didn't do their due diligence there and got an actual professional graphic designer in to design this. But yeah, I think they really are they really are i just think that the the actual elements in the jersey from last season i really enjoyed one thing i will say that you can't quite see it on these photos unfortunately but underneath the arms sort of in the uh the stretchy bit between sort of (laughs) under just under each sleeve they have a really nice blue color and when you have seen the actual photos of the players they've got that that mirrors on the shorts and so that's another nice design element that when you see the full kit in um in together as one it actually flows really nicely and i think that's a really nice element that does pop that doesn't quite jump out of the screen um on these jerseys yeah i'll just quickly jump in um i do just want to say for anybody listening at home if you could hear some cheering and yelling in the background um we are recording on a sunday night and a gladiators final and the uh, has been happening and the person my boys have been cheering home has obviously just won the finale of the gladiators so uh welcome to the joys of recording a podcast at home with two young kids now uh, what I didn't get to say a quick piece about where we hope the rebels will finish, so I'll just I'll just uh, quickly speak to that. One thing that I think we need to remember is that the rebels have never finished in the finals in the top eight, so that's something to be considering. That if we're considering top eight, or maybe even if they're the second best team on paper within the Australian kind of part of the competition, that would be literally making history for the rebels in a year that they are in voluntary administration. So that is just an important thing to be considering, the importance of this year for the Rebels. If they have another year where they struggle to perform on the pitch, where if they finish 11th, uh, 10th, if they don't make the finals, I think they're going to be struggling to bring in sponsors and it is going to be a major, major push towards something pretty bad happening for the Rebels potentially folding if they can't get the sponsorship money that comes with winning. So I think there's going to be a lot of added pressure for them. But from what we've been saying, I would agree that they do have one of the strongest 23s on paper. Uh, And probably I'd be saying, Lockie, they might actually have the largest forward pack within the Australian side of the competition. Does it just not go without saying that any any squad... (laughs) with Taniela Tupo automatically is the strongest or the heaviest. I think you throw in players like Caboose Elof, 
Angelo Smith's massive as well. Josh Cannon's not exactly small. Sam Talakai, Pono Famosili, like they're packing some big boys in that team as well. So maybe we were right. But I think at the end of the day, we just want to see the Rebels do well for the sake of Australian rugby. It's tough seeing teams struggle, especially when they're on our side of the ditch. And we want our players winning, whether it's at Super Rugby or club or whatever level, so it feeds into the national system. So players feel confident going in wearing the gold jersey as well. So I'm look, I'm rooting for them. I know we all are. And let's just see if they can pick up and make finals for the first time. Well said, All mate. right. Thanks, everyone, for getting to this point in the pod. Let's leave things there. Um, and let's just hope that the let's I'm really looking forward to a big year from the Rebels this season and all of the Aussie super sides. So let's um yeah, if you if you are based in Melbourne or in uh Victoria, make sure you do get down there and support the Rebels. This is the year that they need your support. All right, team. We'll catch you later. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on Monday next week for the next round of Super Rugby interviews and previews. Bye. Bye. Bye.